Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, folks and people, to the live edition of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kizzy Parks, who is the president of K-Parks Consulting, Inc. and president of GovCon Winners. Kizzy, what's happening today? It's a glorious day, and it's such an honor to be here today. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm super excited. I'm. I, you're the first person that's ever responded to me on Twitter with a meme and a GIF, so I know that we're going to get along just fine. So um, I'm excited for people to get to know your effervescent attitude, but why don't you tell people a little bit about who you are and what keeps you busy on a day to day? Oh, my goodness. I am, I'm an entrepreneur, the core entrepreneur. I love helping people. I I have a PhD in psychology, which is fun. I hold a Guinness Book of World Record title. And what keeps me busy? Working out, trying to go into the hot tub when I get a chance. And most importantly, ensuring that through my businesses, we continue to make the lives easier of the federal government as well as help small business owners who are interested in learning how to win and find different profitable government contracts. So lots of fun things. Great. I love that. I thought it, I thought it was very interesting that I was like, how do you have a psychology background and then are just, uh, I mean, I don't want to say raking it in from the government. That's not it because you're actually, you're providing a service, you're helping people do stuff, but how did that intersection happen? It's such a great question. So the, like the last about eight months or so when I was finishing my dissertation at the Florida Institute of Technology in Melbourne, Florida, in industrial organizational <laughs> psychology, there was this opportunity at now Patrick Space Force seeking graduate research fellows. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. Many members of my family served in the military. It was a paid position. It was at the actual base. And I thought, well, this is a cool opportunity to kind of give back in my own way. Why not do this? And so I was selected and worked on different analytic research projects there. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I had no idea, no idea. And so I realized the value that my degree and my passion and my entrepreneurial spirit really offered the federal government. And that is what really was the springboard to entering into this whole space of federal contracting. Sweet. Well, the only other time I've gone through the process of trying to get on the GSA for the past year. And so I'm interested in the distinction between the GSA and federal contracting. And then one of our past guests, shout out Peter Provenzano, he had like $50 million of government contracts and it was just a game changer for his business. So for those that might not be familiar, you know, why are government contracts uh, important? Why are they, yeah, why are they important? And, and, and how did that start shaping your future? And then we'll get into the nitty gritty. Yeah, that's such a great question. And one is they're important because you have to 
put your mind in into kind of transplant it into the mind of those in the federal government, Department of Defense and non-Department of Defense. Just big picture here. So you have military, federal government, employees, team members, service members, right? So you need more. You need more products. You need more services. You need more help. Just like with any business, what do they typically do? Maybe they call a temp agency. Maybe they contract it out. Federal government is no different. Hey, we need security. Let's contract it out. We need Just some- for people's scope, how many federal employees do you think there are? Like, how big is this opportunity here? Dollar wise, it's over 500 billion. So over $500 billion is typically spent every year with the federal government. We've been awarded over $60 million through our three government co- um, companies. So the opportunities are endless. Whether you're wanting to sell like pancake mix, you want to sell IT training, you want to offer how to train a horse, they buy that. They buy so many different products and services. The opportunities are endless because you're there to provide a solution. Hands down, you're there to provide a solution. And so they're very eager for that additional help. And then they also know you're a contractor. So the way that you operate is different than a federal government employee. No different than a Fortune 500 company. They know when we bring in a vendor, they're going to operate a certain way and our employees are going to operate a certain way. And so there's endless opportunities, endless opportunities. They purchase everything under the sun and very weird things too. Okay. So how does one get, you know, there's this big pot, there's this huge need. There's, um, from my perspective as an entrepreneur, it's like this, this fortress, this like, Hey, you see all of this over here, but you're sitting here and you're like, well, how do I even, you know, get into there? What are, what are the things that our, you know, leaders need to consider in order to take advantage of that opportunity? What do they need to do next? What's the pathway? Yeah. You know, it's very much so like some kind of video game where it's like you see the big castle or the pot of gold or, you know, anybody who's into squid game, you see the big piggy bank with the money overhead of everyone there in that big room. And you're like, how do I get that? Well, (laughs) so one is you have to really understand where you can find the opportunities And then there's a a little like star next to that. So you need to understand that often they're listed at sam.gov. They're listed under acquisition.gov under forecast. But then there's a big however comma, right? It's no different than knowing that you can resell products on Amazon. But just because you can resell a product on Amazon doesn't mean somebody's going to buy it from you. Mm. So you also have to understand the mindset of how the federal government purchases. What are they really asking for? How are they really going to evaluate you? And most importantly, are you going to really make any money if you provide said product or service? So just knowing where to go is a nice start, but it's it's literally that. It's just a start. The other piece of it has the relational element. Many people think, well, you just go and you bid on a bunch of 
RFPs, you know, I've done it before. I have a bunch in Mississippi and Illinois and I have all these state contracts and I've worked with Google and IBM. And, and these are things that people tell me. I'm not just pulling this out of the sky. I'm relaying what people say to me. And I'm like, well, that's amazing. That's great. In the federal government, it's very different. Sometimes it's relational. We've met with people who they figure out there's something that we provide that they like and we end up getting a contract, right? So you have that piece too, is that relational kind of the sales piece, the really sharing what you can do for them, how you can help them with their mission, understanding what they want. There's hundreds and thousands of different agencies across the federal government. And just because it says Army or Air Force or Navy doesn't mean it's all the same. <laughs> so they want you to also show that you understand them. So again, going back to that mindset. So you you have to know all of these different pieces and parts or you're going to be very disappointed. Because one of the things that I see, again, from speaking from my entrepreneurship perspective, is that when you see an RFP just generally anywhere, you're like, at least from my perspective, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to bid on an RFP because there are, you know, I've got no chance or I just, I'm just throwing a proposal into a bucket. And what I'm hearing you say, and then there's the sort of traditional sales where somebody calls you, you call somebody, you have coffee, you get to meet them, you, you build the relationship, they like you, you like them, and then they're like, yeah, this person can solve my problem best. What I'm hearing is potentially a, 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 a dispelling of a myth that even though people are buying stuff through Sam.gov, there are still people at the end of the day that relationship piece is critical and it's not just selling into a void. There really is the like, the human component to making that work. Yeah, it's huge. That human component is massive because it also helps you understand what's really going on. That's vital. For instance, I, I came across a woman who's really into like accounting, like that's her forte, right? So she may reach out to an agency and she may share with them, Hey, I'm the best accountant out there. I love accounting. And, you know, I provide, she, she had some contracts with the state of Texas. Right. And what ended up happening is her contract with the state of Texas is really for staffing. She's staffing people in various accounting related positions. So then when it comes to the federal government, an agency may say, well, that's great. Congratulations, but we don't buy that. Mm. You know, we don't, we don't, we never do, you know, we buy more missiles or we purchase more cybersecurity. You know, what you might want to do is look into XYZ agency, or maybe you should contact this company because maybe they need what you're looking for. So that's the other piece is you get the intel. Because while the federal government spends $500 billion a year and they purchase anything and everything under the sun, it does not mean that that particular prospect is interested or has an actual requirement to buy what you offer. So then you have to make the decision. Okay, do you then go where people, uh, potential prospects are that want to purchase from you? And or do you maybe pivot or expand to see, well, what are you guys looking to buy? Is it something I could potentially offer to you and still make a nice profit off of it? Yeah. Hey, 
Sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. And now get us back to the episode. So from a company perspective, because, you know, sales strategies, growth strategies, entrepreneurs, all of that stuff, they have to make choices and trade-offs. How much energy goes into being able to like adapt and, and create your, your government sales strategy? Like, can it be something that you need to do from the side of your desk? Should it be like 30% of your sales efforts? Like, what are you seeing on the marketplace as you talk to these companies and, and as you do it yourself? I would say it's, it's got to be at least 80%. 80% of your time really needs to go into sales and marketing unless you already have an existing federal government client because that's a different talk conversation. That's more about what's called growing the contract, client relations, that's a whole different contract. I mean, conversation. But for those of you where you're like, I've never had one before, what do I do? 80% of your time because there's a quick way to get one, which is through partnering with someone or finding a company. Like for instance, for us, we were contacted, someone needed help. They have about a million dollars at stake. Now we're, we're involved in this. Mm. And so, and the reason for it is they got connected to, to my firm. They heard of us and now we're working on it. Did we have to bid? No. Do I even know who these people are? No, I haven't met them in person yet. <laughs> we're already in, we're already working with a client. And so that's something just to keep in mind that value add, the importance of the relationship and just know that, you know, there's there, you got to put in that 80%. And so why did all that happen? I wish I could say it's because I'm so amazing and have beautiful, you know, curly hair here, but that's not why it's because of all of the, the nurturing and watering and the sun to the seeds that have been planted over 10 years, but you can still do that without the 10 years, mm -hmm. right? You can still do that. Put in that time and energy, picking up the phone, emailing, connecting, responding to RFPs, putting out white papers, all these other things, but it takes a lot of time and effort. And here's why, because there's a lot of competition and we're talking taxpayer dollars. And so it's no different when you go on Amazon and you're like, man, I need some black socks. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize there were 8,000 companies that sold women's black socks. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you know that anytime you need some ladies black socks or gentlemen's black socks, you can get them on Amazon. And the same is for the federal government. There's no shortage of federal government contractors out there. So how are you going to stand out? You got to stand out by being present and not present with, oh, we're so great. We have all these awards and all these amazing team members, right? You have to stand out by adding value. No different than what you would do on the private side. Value through your social media, through contacting them, through 
you know, just the, the phone calls that you have with those, remembering information about them. Hey, let me just share something that just happened. Or, oh, I heard you're dealing with XYZ with COVID and the vaccine requirement. How is that? Good? Just, you know, constantly in that kind of sales mode is so, so important because they're used to, hey, we're so amazing. You need to give us work. And companies really say these things. Again, the things I'm sharing right now, I'm not making them up. It's not some fantasy. I've been doing this for over 10 years, been awarded well over $60 million in federal government contracts. And these are things that people do. People do and say the craziest things <laughs> in this federal government space. It just blows my mind. Blows my mind. Well, I wonder if it's, well, yeah, just because of like, I don't know, like a privilege or an entitlement or because it's taxpayer dollar. But, you know, how I'm, I'm sort of relating this, because if you look at like, I think about it from a sales perspective and you have a million and one different sales channels and different customers that you could go to. And at the end of the day, the government customer and the you know public sector customer is or private and public sector are no different. It's just to, to get to them to do the deal. They have to buy through a specific channel. If it's a private customer, you know, they might be the ones that you meet through the golf club or the country club, or right. I, I'm not part of either of those, but that's like the sort of the gateway. The people are the same at the on the back end, but the gateway of procurement happens to be these contracts. And then you have, you know, uh, more or less competition. But at the end of the day, the customer is the same, but they have to go through the, the a different channel in order to procure. And then they have their own sort of pros and cons. Am I understanding that? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're definitely spot on. I mean, there's all different types of, you know, rules and regulations and, and it's interesting because I, I, sometimes we get so caught up on that. Like, well, the government can do this if under 20,000 and then they can do this. And it's like, it's like us. If you really want a car, you're going to find a way to get a car. Mm. If you really want to smoke cigarettes, you're going to figure out how you're going to smoke cigarettes. If you want to go on a vacation, lockdown, no lockdown, you're going to figure out a way to go on a vacation. And the federal government is no different. If they want to buy something, they're going to figure out a way to buy it. And if they want to buy it from you, they're going to figure out how to get it from you. If they don't really want to buy it from you, they're going to do what we do. Oh, yeah, I wish we could do that. But, you know, <laughs> we don't have enough money or no, we can't use that and we have we come up with excuses because we just don't want to say like no we don't want to buy from you right we want to be nice and so the government's the same way oh yeah we have to use the xyz contract vehicle i'm so sorry yeah because you don't really want to purchase from me understood mm, understood <laughs> okay i got that uh okay so we covered we covered the the nuances of being able to get through those channels you've got to talk to people you got to make sure you connect. You got to make sure that you have yes. a problem that you solve. And then you got to make sure that like you, you do the, you need to buy the way they can buy. Otherwise it's never going to get there. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit before I do that. I want to let our audience know our next event using the Ironman mindset to grow as a leader with four time Ironman, Robert Clinkenbeard. So be sure to register for that or check it out on our podcast. Kizzy, you've been doing this for a while. What gives you that iron man, iron person mindset as you move forward? 10 years, 13 years in running. What jazzes you up? What keeps you hype about doing the work that you're doing? Because of the, the missions that we're part of. Okay, tell me more. It's the missions. One, we support the USDA. Mission to keep us free from foodborne illnesses. 
making sure you don't die when you eat food. Mm. It's a huge mission. I mean, because you think about it, there have been lots of little outbreaks. And so it's a huge mission. We work with FDA is one of our biggest clients to make sure that the vape products that you purchase basically are not harming you. Mm. It's another amazing mission to be connected to. We work with agencies, uh, with Air Force, Navy, Army. And so it's just great to know that the seed that I planted so long ago, that my amazing team of over 50 people are having such an impact across the world. Across the world, everything that they do, it's value added, every single thing. And that's what keeps me going. And then I think about my team. You know, I think about, you know, one, you know, one of my team members, she had, I think, one child at the time, and now she has three. Or one of my team members is getting married and just recently bought a house, and he's been with me for almost 10 years. You know, it's just really cool things like that, too, where you see both sides. You see, how excited the client is and how we've changed their lives, how we've made their lives easier, how I've made my team's lives easier. And that's what I'm all about, making lives easier, period, hands down. It keeps me jazzed up. It's a cool space. And I I just really strongly encourage everyone to at least explore government contracting. I got that. So uh, as you've grown your team, your background in psychology, background in motivation, how have you found to inspire your team? What are the things that you do? I mean, you've talked about it a little bit, but what keeps them? Is it the mission alignment with your clients? Is it the the freedom that you uh, provide them as a leader? Is it for them to be able to be like put in a role to be passionate? What keeps them motivated and engaged in the work that you do? The, the culture and the fact that hands down, it's about keeping lives easier. Per- I mean, period. You know, a lot of people say things like we're about ethics and we wouldn't operate like that. Make your life easier. You have an emergency. You need to take time off. We're going to make it work. Right. If you need to work at home permanently, we're going to figure out a way to make it work. If you're unhappy in your position or you need to talk to somebody about what you're doing, like it, it's so so to, to take away from this, it's. Number one, creating a culture where you are valued. You're valued. You're truly valued because we hear you. We listen to you. We respond to you. We reward and recognize you. The second thing is there's no disconnect between words and actions. This is how I am all the time. (laughs) Sometimes maybe blonder, but I'm like this all the time. This is who I am. And so I've created this culture where many on my team, especially the core team members, they reflect portions of myself. Mm. So they don't have to worry about, oh, well, Kizzy said she really cares, but in reality, she doesn't. She said she's available, but she's not answering her phone, right? And then the third thing is they understand and they know that they are highly compensated and that they are very well taken care of. And we tremendous, we value them so much that even when team members go off and find magic elsewhere, they still stay connected. They may work on projects as a contractor. They, many of them still keep the information on LinkedIn, like they don't change it. <laughs> I mean, and so 
Why? Because we create this environment of being valued, being respected, and being heard. And they know that they're appreciated, not only by me and KPC or my other two companies, but also by the end client, because that's the other thing that's very important to think about in government contracting. They are primarily serving a federal agency via taxpayer dollars. So they have to satisfy them in addition to the needs at KPC. And so I know it's stressful. I know it's challenging from my experience as a graduate research fellow. And so I've been in their position before where you have so many people that you're answering to. And so that's what's been the biggest key to success. Cool. I love that. Uh, and, it, and it shows, you know what I mean? Like when you say, hey, you got to care for people. You got to walk the walk, talk the talk. So I like that. We've got a question on the chat. Uh, uh, and then I have a question for you about what's on your back wall. And then we're going to ask how people can get a hold of, course, of you. So of question from Italy is, Ooh. have you ever worked with any uh, World Bank procurement or multilateral bank procurement that has been funded by the U.S. and any sort of words of wisdom from there? Oh, Wow. I, I, that sounds fun. I haven't, I haven't done any bank procurements. I mean, that I would love to, that sounds, that sounds intriguing. Uh, <laughs> I haven't, I wish I could say I have, I haven't, haven't, haven't okay. done that. Sorry. So we'll make sure we put your information in the chat so you can connect with anybody else after. So uh, two questions uh, before we wrap up, uh, you have a world record, you've got a Guinness world record. What is that for? It is for most skips of a rope in 60 seconds while wearing flip-flops. It's 182, which is more than three a second. That's pretty crazy. And mm -hmm. what is the representation of your Illinois license plate? Oh, I, that was my license plate that I had when I was in high school. So it's one of my nicknames is Kizwiz. And, and so I had that license plate because... You could get a customized license plate in the state of Illinois for free if you added a number. Oh. So cool. I added the one and that was my license plate and my on my very first car. <laughs> Sweet. I love that. I love that's in your so uh, everybody listening at home has no idea what I'm talking about, but Kizzy's got an awesome background including what looks like a uh, uh, Inc 5000 award. Yes. Um and some other very cool stuff. So I won't I won't tell her to describe everything in her house. You can connect with her offline for that. Uh, Kizzy, where can people uh, connect with you? Where can they learn more about what you do? Where can people get involved with uh, some of the cool projects that you're doing? Yes, please connect with me, LinkedIn, Kizzy Parks. You can go to www.govconwinners.com to learn more about my program there. You can connect with me on Instagram, uh, Kizzy M. Parks. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you'll definitely see me there, Kizzy KPC, and just reach out. Just say that you saw, came across, what may have you, and, you know, you, you, I will reach out. I will respond to you. Perfect. Shout out to Florida folks everywhere. Uh, Kizzy, anything uh, you want to say to our listeners before we finish up for today? I always say everything is possible, hands down. Never in my wildest dreams that I ever think this is where I would be in my life. And so the same goes for you. Whatever it is that you're dreaming of, everything is possible, and don't let anyone stop you. Man, I love that. Kizzy, thanks so much for being here. I'm so glad we got connected one-on-one. -on -one. It was a, a blessing for our listeners. I think it gives them a lot of tools. And beyond tools and next steps, it's about shaping how you think of supporting others, especially if you want to be able to get some government contracts because you can't help others um, if you're not trying to help others. So <laughs> it's That's obvious so 
but let's do it. So, uh, ladies, gentlemen, folks, and people, my guest today, Kizzy Parks from GovCon Winners and Kate Parks Consulting. Holler at her on the internet, then be sure to connect. She's a gem. And Kizzy, thank you again for being my guest today. Thank you. I appreciate you. Awesome, everyone. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe and like. And until next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that'll help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's gonna give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. Course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.